Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing all right this morning? Yay. Doing okay? Doing good. All right, well, here we are. We are at the conclusion of our series on the gospel of the kingdom, which you're going to see in a few moments. I'm transitioning with this message into our next series that we'll start next week on wisdom, the principal thing. And so we're going to be talking about wisdom for a while. And um, anyway, before we... Uh, we're in that direction starting next week, but I, this message will be kind of transitioning in that direction. Um, so you'll see a little bit today why I'm going that direction, uh, in part. So does that make sense? So anyway, uh, we've been talking the last several weeks about the kingdom of God, the gospel of his kingdom. Uh, we started off by saying that John the Baptist went about, all, uh, went about the, the land and went about the area preaching the gospel of the kingdom, or preaching the kingdom of God, and more specifically, if I say this right, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Change your mind, change the way you think, because the kingdom of God is here. We echo that in, in Matthew 4, uh, 17, with Jesus too, preached the exact same message, repent, change your mind, because the kingdom of God is here. And in Matthew 23, I mean, not, excuse me, if I can talk this morning, Matthew 4.23, Jesus, uh, it says that Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues the gospel of the kingdom. And we, uh, we, we were talking about the gospel of God's kingdom. The kingdom being God's redemptive rule and reign in our lives. The, uh, the kingdom of God is his redemptive saving rule and reign of, of God in our lives. But we've been talking, uh, we've been transitioning more specifically over the last few weeks about not only from establishing, the point, from, the, from establishing the point that the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is within us, to talking more specifically how do we get the kingdom of God within us to be activated? How do we get the kingdom of God to become not just a theology, but a reality? Um, uh, in other words, how do we get the kingdom of God to work in our lives? It's here, and it's, 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 it's within us. But how do we get it to, to function? How do we get it to be effectual? Um, you know, we are to pray God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how, when do we transition from that just being a prayer to that being a manifestation and, and a, a result of that prayer? Um, in other words, some of us look at our lives and things are not being, not, things are not lining up in our lives as the kingdom of God should be. We should be receiving a kingdom that should not be shaken. If a, king, if, if a kingdom is where a king has dominion, then how come the king does not have dominion in, the, in areas of our lives? Whether that be physical, financial, relational, uh, all kinds of areas. But if his kingdom is reigning, how come other kingdoms, how come other systems of government, how come other things are reigning in my life uh, and not God's kingdom? And so how do we get the kingdom of God to work? How do we get the kingdom of God to operate and be activated in our lives? Uh, because I don't want to just talk about the kingdom. I also want to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Amen? So we're not just here to talk about a kingdom that could be, that should be, that would be reigning in our lives, we want to demonstrate kingdom of God that is here, and that is reigning in our lives. 
uh, a couple of, a couple different things that we brought out and we will continue to bring out again this morning as we conclude this series is that first of all we when we talk about the kingdom of God we must first of all understand that it operates by the power of God and not the power of man. Its source is God. Its source is not us. We're not the source. Yes, we have the power to flip the switch, so to speak. Just like I'm not the source of electricity. But I have the power to turn the lights on and to turn them off. Okay, we do have, but God's the source, not man. It's not the flesh. It, uh, Jesus told Pontius Pilate that in, in John 18 that his kingdom is not of this world. It's not, he, he told the, the Pharisees, it's not here, it's not there, but the kingdom of God is within us. It's a supernatural kingdom. But even though we use the phrase and the term supernatural kingdom, how many of you know, we taught this before, that supernatural is the norm? Natural is not the norm. It's a norm in the flesh. It's, an, it's carnal. It's natural. We understand that. We, since we were born, we, we've understood the natural. We've been relating to the natural. But the supernatural has always been. It's eternal. It created the supernatural. It created the natural. And there are physical laws as well as there's, there's spiritual laws. And, and some of the natural laws are gravity and different things of that nature. But also there's uh, spiritual laws of God's kingdom, and we've talked about that in times past. But the, the, the power, the source, is God on us. Zechariah says it this way, or God says in Zechariah 4, 6, It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. See, we need to realize that in us there is a new life, there is a seed. Christ is in us, and we're going to be talking about this more specifically in a few moments. But we have a union with Christ. We are one flesh with Christ. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And we need to, to, uh, we need to connect with that source. We need to connect. It's going to come out of the, our relationship we have with God. And where is God? He's within us. It says in John chapter 1, of his fullness we have received. It says in Ephesians 3.19, that if we know his love that surpasses knowledge that we will be filled with the very fullness of God. God is in us. God, the fullness of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've been bought with a price. God, the kingdom of God is not there. The kingdom of God is not there. The kingdom of God is within us. It's here. It's within us. And the seed, we have been born again. We talked about this in last week and the weeks before. But uh, that we are born again not of corruptible or natural seed. We are born again of incorruptible seed, supernatural seed, by the word of God. Okay? That making sense so far? But the kingdom of God is it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. In other words, we're in the flesh. We're not trying to make the kingdom of God work. By the spirit, we're connecting to the kingdom of God that's within us. And the kingdom of God will operate on its own. But we have to connect to that. We have to allow it to be King and Lord of our lives. Uh, we have to connect with that. And we're going to find out how we connect with that a little bit this morning. Second point I want to make, the first one I just made, and we, uh, not so much make, but more reiterate from what we talked about the last few weeks, not only is the 
that it's by the power of God, not the power of man. The second thing is that we've talked about that the kingdom of God comes by the word. The kingdom of God comes in word form. So with that in mind, I want to reiterate some things. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13 one more time. And we spent a lot of time in Matthew 13 in this series. And we're going to pick it up in verse 18. Kind of read a little bit of context and then I'll get some dialogue. Verse 18, it says, Therefore, Jesus speaking, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the what? Kingdom. And does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good soil, or good land, or good soil, it's he who hears the word, and key phrase we're going to get to in a minute, and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Going back to verse 19, don't get dizzy as I scroll here. But it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, the, the kingdom of God activates, it comes in seed form. It comes by the word of the kingdom. We've been talking about that. And that word of the kingdom, that seed is in you. We are born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God, by the seed of God. I mean, you know, the word of God is not the ink. The word of God is the person. And that seed is a living organism. And some of us, we have been born again of incorruptible seed. But in many ways, that seed has become dormant. It has not been watered properly. And that, that's not a condemnation. That's not a put down. But uh, how many of you know that everything that that apple tree needs, for example, is already in that seed? It doesn't need something new. It just needs to be planted in good soil, watered, have sunshine, and have all the components to make that seed grow. But this, everything that seed needs is already in that seed. Everything we need for the kingdom of God to operate is already in the word of God. It's already in the kingdom of God. His word, his nature, Jesus, our king, who's in us. Not only have in the kingdom of God within us, but the king is in us. You know, we can't separate the kingdom of God and the king. You have a king without a kingdom, it just doesn't work. You also can't have a kingdom without a king. And that doesn't work either. So we not only have the kingdom, but we have the king. And as Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ, the king, who lives in me. We are born again, but some people, they're, not, they're still trying to do it. They're still trying to perform. The problem, the problem is not the seed. The problem is them. They're trying to do it. They're trying to do it in their own strength. It's not by might, it's not by power, 
but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus said that the words I speak to you and the words of the kingdom are spirit and they are life. Yeah, it's a living organism. The power is in the seed. The kingdom of God is in the seed. The kingdom of God is the word of his kingdom. We must hear it. We must receive it. We must allow the Holy Spirit to water that seed. Okay? But real quick, I just want to reiterate a couple of things. In verse 19 and 20, uh, verse 19, excuse me, it talks about the seed on the wayside. They heard the word of God, but, and this is a key phrase, they did not understand it. I want you to know something. We've talked about this in weeks past, but it's, it's our responsibility to understand it. I get it, and I've been there too, where I don't understand something. But it's still my responsibility to find out, to pray, ask God to reveal the, the revelation to me, to go and get set under good teaching uh, uh, that he might direct me to, uh, to, to meditate on his word, to study his word. Uh, but what I find in many cases, and I found this in myself too, there have been times where I have made excuses. I'm either too busy, or I just don't value the Word of God as I should. If you value something, you will spend time with it. You don't have to. You you don't have to coerce me to have chocolate. You don't have to coerce me to have a good burger. You don't have to coerce me to have an In-N-Out burger. You don't have to coerce me to do certain things. You don't have to coerce me to go play golf. You don't have to coerce me to, to, to do certain things that I like. Why could I value it? You don't have to uh, coerce me to do things that I enjoy. You don't have to coerce me to, to, to do the things that we do in this church and ministry. I, we enjoy those things. But the things I don't value. But how many of you know that we all have things that we procrastinate? Chores. Things that we need to do. Maybe people we need to call. Things we need to accomplish. Bills we need to pay. Different things. And to a certain extent, it might not be a total no value. We pay bills because we value having electricity. We value having water and, and, and sewage. We, we, we value having the utilities. We value having the cable or the phone or whatever. So we will pay it. We are a little reluctant because we don't want to see that money go. But we, so we do value to a certain extent. We do value uh, doing some chores to send because we, send, we, we need clean laundry. We, need, we want a clean house or a clean car. So we value to a certain extent we just don't like the process. We don't like the so we so we disvalue the process, but we value the results. So there is some value in there. I'm not trying to make a big thing about that. But the things that we value, we will spend time with. And we value the results of these things, but we don't value the process. We value wanting the kingdom of God to work, but we don't value the process of being a student of the word. We value the end result of seeing the kingdom of God being activated in our lives, but we don't always value being disciples and being a student and studying to show yourself approved. I don't know everything, but there have been people through the years who have marveled how I know scripture and how I know different things. People will come to us with questions, and I appreciate that. I love that. But at the same point in time, how did I know what I know? I've studied. I've learned it. It's not just a calling, although I feel like I have a calling to be a pastor and different things. It's also I just studied it. You know, we'll spend time. We just last week was the Super Bowl. You know, some people know everything about sports and football teams and fantasy this and fantasy that. I don't have a problem with that in and of itself. But I would not be good with that. I would not be good with sports trivia or anything. I don't know anybody. 
I don't know any of the players that played in the Super Bowl last weekend. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the teams. And quite frankly, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't care. The only reason I can't show up at the Super Bowl is for family. It's not about the game and different things. It's about family. I value family. And so I'll go through the process of watching what I call a boring game to, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, um, and I'm not saying it's boring because hardly anyone scored, but I'm talking about I just don't enjoy it. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't excite me. I mean, I'm sitting on the couch doing things on my iPad while the game's going on. Why? Because I'm bored with the game. But I value being with family. I value spending time and whatnot. And so, uh, I know I'm being a little facetious, but I'm just being frank. And just being real that, you know, what we value. Some of us, you know, and, and there's other things that people value. Politics, people value uh, shopping, and people value uh, movies and this and that. And, and to a certain degree, I'm okay with that. But, uh, what, what, you know... It's our job to understand the Word of God. It's not, in other words, let me paint the picture. This whole parable of the sower is a seed being sown in different soils. The seed has all the power, but if it's not sown in good ground, it's not going to produce. It's not the seed's responsibility to, to cultivate the soil. The seed doesn't prepare the soil. The farmer does that. The, the soil also can't prepare itself. The farmer prepares it. So, it's the farmer's responsibility to prepare the soil for the seed. Every farmer that's productive, every farmer, farmer that's successful, is going to cultivate its soil. They're going to go buy the grain, they're going to go buy the seed, but the ground needs to be prepared. It's not the seed's responsibility to do that. It's the farmer's responsibility. So, and this goes with any trade, any vocation. If you're going to be good at anything, if you do real estate, if you do any, whatever, whatever your trade is, you're going to study that trade. There's been times I've had trades. There's times I've had sales. There's times I've had, I had different things. There was a time I had my own business doing bookkeeping and accounting. I understood bookkeeping and accounting to a certain degree. I mean, I graduated from, I valedictorian from the school I went to. I was not a CPA. I knew that. I didn't know everything. I was not a master at accounting, but I knew enough to get by. I knew enough to do business. But I also, but I, one thing I did not know, I did not know how to run a business. I didn't know how to run it, this. And I'm not, to this day, I can't say I'm the best business person on the planet. But I, I do know some things about running the business. Why? I do now. I didn't know then. And how did I learn? I had to study it. I took some classes. I actually found some successful business people, and I just started hanging around them. They, they didn't share anything that was private or anything that was confidential, but I just got to understand how they run the business by, by being around some, some people. I, took, I, I wanted the end result, so I had to do some study. I had to do some preparation. I had to prepare myself. If I was going to be an entrepreneur, I had to learn what an entrepreneur needs to do. And the different things from, from taxation to, to the accounting to the marketing to, to even just managing and production and, and, and time management and different things of that nature. I just had to learn how to do a business. If I'm going to have the result, then I have to prepare the soil to do the result. The, the accounting is not going to take care of itself. 
the marketing's not going to take care of itself, the production's not going to take care of itself, I'm going to need to do it. But if I do it, it will work. If I do it right, it will work. And most of us, anyone who has a business, has a good product. And the product should sell itself. But we have to market it. We have to account, do accounting. We have to do good diligence. And we have to learn how to do it properly if we're going to be successful. Most businesses fail because they fail the plan. They fail the point we bear. And, uh, and so, anyway, I'm not talking about business. I could talk about some of that. But I'm talking about we, some of the seed falls by the wayside and the fowls of the air, just little birds, come and steal the seed because people don't have the discipline. They don't have the discipline because they don't have the value of understanding the Word of God. They're just too hard. They don't, they don't, they don't. You ever run into people? You just start talking about God and they're, they're just disinterested. Just, they have no value. It's like the light turned off. And there could be different reasons. Some are mad at God. Some are different reasons. But they're just not interested. That is just by the wayside. And the fowls of the air will come and steal that seed. The second seed is, a, or the second soil, excuse me, is the stony soil. They heard it with joy. They heard the word of God. Um, but when persecution and hardship comes, they're like, I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm getting out of here. The persecution and hardship. And some of us have been there. Some of us have been there because we're not promised that we won't go through hardships. We're not promised we won't go through persecutions and tribulations. Jesus promised that we would have these, experience these things. At the same point in time, uh, some people, but there, I, don't, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life because the trials got so, so severe that, that the, the temptation was there to quit. The temptation... There have been times where I have been tempted to quit. In all different levels, I've been tempted to quit. I'm not saying that because I'm proud of it. I'm saying it because that is what persecution and tribulation will do. We might receive the word of God with joy. But if we don't have a root system, if we're not established in his word that we received, then and some of us, we're just, we're interested in the joy part, but we're not interested in the sacrifice. That makes sense? And some of us are like, you know what, I'm out of Dodge, I'm going to go back to the way I was doing it before. Because I get it, I didn't have this joy before, but I also didn't have this persecution and tribulation. See, the it's one thing if you, the persecution and tribulation has come because of your own foolishness, but the persecution and tribulation rises because of the Word. There's a difference. That makes sense. Some of us have made our own bed, in a sense. But sometimes it's not because of us, it's because of the Word of God uh, in us. And people don't like that challenge. Okay. The third seed is the, the, the thorny ground. Not the third seed, but the third ground. It's the same seed. But it says that the cares, the, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the, the lust for other things, choked out. I've also seen this. Another way of expressing being choked out is I've seen people get burned out. They get so focused doing it in the flesh. They don't realize they're doing it in the flesh. They're trying to do a noble thing. They're trying to do a God, a Christ-like thing. They're trying to do ministry. They're trying to do things. They're trying to be that good parent. They're trying to be that good employee. They're trying to build a career. They're trying to be a good 
uh, uh, spouse. They're trying to do things, but they're doing it in their own strength. And, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things, choke out and burn out that seed. See, the one thing that we're seeing in all three types of soil so far is that the Word of God will work. The seed will work. But the Word, ha- will, the word of God will change your life. And the Word of God has the capacity to even change your circumstances. But you must guard your heart. See, the seed is not the problem. The soil is. The heart is the problem. The heart is your soil. See, the same, the same seed as in Paul, the same seed that was in Jesus, the same seed that was in the apostles, the same seed that was in Billy Graham, the same seed that was in John G. Lake or any of the other people, the same seed that was in Andrew Womack or Joseph Prince or anyone else that you admire is in you. It's the same seed. The seed is not the problem. The soil is. The soil is the problem. And some of us have such religious soil. The soil is, we have, the soil, there's a filter in our soil, and it's called religion, or it's called tradition, or whatever, whatever label we want to put on it. And because of that soil, because of that filter, the seed can't get to you. It can't get in your heart, because there's a filter, there's a blockage. That makes sense? Okay. But I, rather than spouting more on the bad soil, or the not, so not the unproductive soils, <clears throat> I want to switch gears to looking at the, the final soil, verse 23. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, and key phrase here, and conjunction understands it, who indeed bears fruit, and reduces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. See, we have to choose. We have to make a choice to understand the Word of God. We must have to make a choice to value and prioritize the Word of God. If you're not understanding the Word of God, but you you need to ask the Lord. And you need to sit under good teaching and do different things so you can understand. You need to make some moves. You need to make them adjustments so you, you can understand it. Some of us also need to do some weeding. We need to get some other types of influences that are choking out, that are religiously polluting our soil. That makes sense? And so, uh, but religion... We, we, in other words, we need to realign our hearts to the thoughts of God. That's really what I'm getting at. We need to realign what we're thinking. We need to, re- how many of you know the Word of God says in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. That word renewing in the Greek means to renovate. Some of us just need a total renovation. You know, Sherry and I, we've just been kind of toying around something, just doing some dreaming. Not because we have the funds, but we, we know God's going to speak into our hearts for the future. And so we've just been Googling some homes and looking at different things and just kind of kind of dreaming. I think it's good to dream. Uh, and, and, and especially when it's done in the right context and the right moderation, that it's, it can be healthy. 
But some of these homes that we're looking at, we're going through the pictures, and you know, so I was like, you know, I like that, but I would change this. I like that, but I would renovate this. Even this home, if we were ever to purchase this home, we, we've looked at it and like, you know what, we like this, but we would definitely take out the ivy. We would definitely do some different things. We definitely would remodel the, the master bathroom. We, some people love our, our guest bathroom with all the pink in it. I'm just not a pink guy. And so uh, that's one thing. There would some, be some renovation there. There would be some renovation in, in some, some, some different parts of the house, on the, on the landscaping of this property. We would take out the ivy in some areas, put grass. We would renovate the wall that's the fences are kind of coming down, but it's being held up by ivy. It's not being held up by the fence. And so we would, one of the things we would do is take all that out and put a wall up. And all this needs require money, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about dreaming. And we, I mean, when you dream, finances are not an issue. When you dream, you can just dream. I get it when we get down to the real deal, if we ever have to cross that bridge, we need the funds. But I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about renovating. I'm talking about renewing the mind. They can kind of get a new look on things. We, I have, we have at times we uh, organize my office. Or we've worked, we organize different rooms. Not so much in this house, but other houses we've had, we reorganized the, uh, restructured how the living room is. So we restructured how our bedroom is. Uh, when you renovate something, you renew, you, you give it a new look. We see businesses doing that all the time. Not too long ago, J.C. Penney's had been had renovated their, their building. Uh, Target has done a major renovation recently. Uh, some stores and businesses will do a renovation. They have a new look. They have a new outlook. We need to renew our minds. We need to renovate our minds. We need to have a new thought process. How do know? I know the book of Isaiah, 50, chapter 55, says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. But I think it behooves us to get our thoughts in alignment with his thoughts. I think it behooves us to get our thoughts... How does God think about it? Sherry and I have been going through something over the last couple of years, and a, a, a struggle we've been going through. Um, I can't go into all of that right now, but I keep coming back to this one same thought: is what does God say about this? What's God's thoughts on the matter? Some of this has to do with our future. Some of this has to do with different things of that nature. What does God say? What's God's thoughts on the matter? I know what my thoughts are. I've been stewing over them for the last two years. Uh, I know what other people's thoughts are or are not because of what they've said or haven't said. But what's God say about this? I want to align my thoughts to His thoughts on the matter. We need to align our thoughts. Um, we need to think about. There's some things that we need to think about. It says in Philippians, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, etc. Think on these things. Um, it says in Joshua chapter 1 that we are to meditate on the Word of God, that we might have good success. We must ponder the Word of God. We must ponder these things. We must think about these things. What are you pondering? What are you thinking? What are you meditating on? And what's the source? Is the source the Word of God? Is the source the thoughts of God? Or the source some other source? Is that is, is the, the fruit of what you're thinking about Bringing worry, or is this the fruit of what you're thinking about faith and, fu and future and hope? There's going to be, depending on the source, it's going to depend on the fruit. I want God's thoughts on the matter. It's one of my favorite verses that I haven't quoted in a long time, but Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, um, 
actually, I wish I could quote it. I used to quote it so much, so let me just turn to it real quick. Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of you probably can quote it. But it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Your heart is the soil. When you search him with all your heart, when you search him with your soul, you will find him. But I love the part of it, because that's what we're talking about, that's what we're transitioning to right now, but I know the thoughts I have for you. God's thoughts to, for, for us are for peace. His thoughts for us are good for you, for a future, and a good hope. How many of us have been thinking about our own thoughts, about our own lives, about our own situation, and we're worried, we think of doom, we think of everything falling apart, we think the worst. How many of us have been meditating, wallowing in the worst thoughts that we could possibly think about someone else, or a situation, or ourselves? That making sense? Or are we thinking what God thinks about us? Are we thinking about God, what God thinks about one another? Are we thinking about what God thinks about the situation? We need to guard our hearts. We need to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Let me just say this, you will not prosper if you do not align your thoughts to what God says. You will not prosper if you are not meditating on the Word of God. The Word of God is a seed. The Word of God is a person. The Word of God, the Kingdom of God comes in seed form. If you are not meditating on the Word of God, if the Word of God is not your thoughts. See, if I have a thought, I want a scripture to, to support that thought. That makes sense. I don't. You might have a good thought. It might sound noble. It might sound practical. But if it's not, if I can't support it by the word of God, then I don't want to meditate on it. I'm not saying that there's not some practical wisdom, but a lot, even a lot of that practical wisdom, I can find scripture to support it. The book of Proverbs, which we're going to be getting into some of that wisdom, is full of wisdom. I want God's thoughts on the matter. That makes sense. And some people might not agree with me, but uh, I, I, I want God's thoughts to build this house and build my life and whatnot. See, Jesus did what he saw the Father do. Jesus thought how he saw the Father think. We must, we, it, we're not going to know what God thinks about the matter if we don't spend time with him and his word. He says, abide in me and abide in, abide in your word. That you might bear fruit, the fruit that remains. John 15 talks about us abiding in him and abiding in his word. But you will not prosper if you do not align your hearts to the things of God and meditate on his word. Jesus didn't do anything but the Father. In other words, I'm proposing to you a 24-7 proposition of thinking of things above and not the things of the earth. The Bible says, and Paul says in Romans 8, 6, to be naturally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be naturally minded is death. It's not, it doesn't just lead to death. Paul says to be naturally minded is death. Turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 6. We've been here before. But we're going to uh, conclude this series. We're going to spend a little more time here. Matthew 6, we'll pick it up in verse 26. 
It says, look at the birds of the air. Well, they're neither, actually, you know what, excuse me, I want to transition to the King James. What is, what is passage? It says, Behold, the fowls are the birds of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much more better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto, unto his stature? Did you notice that verse 27? Which of you, by taking thought, we're talking about how what we think, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take thought for raiment? But consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil, not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which Today is, is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we need, that we are not to even take thought of, shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is sufficient until the day is the evil. There's different things I could go on different tangents, but one of my main thoughts I wanted to get out of here, verse 31 says, Take no thought, saying, What you should eat, what you should drink, or what you should be clothed. We need to behold the value. We need to behold, we need to think, we need to consider how God has taken care of these things. And we need to consider what we're thinking. Um, sorry, there's some thoughts ahead here. I'm just going over this. I want to excuse you. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. And we'll go to verse 3. I'm going to start transitioning. I'm not quite done with this uh, message this morning. I'm going to start transitioning to our next series here. Can I, can I go back and forth because it's kind of transition. I'm not making sense. But in verse 3 it says, Through wisdom is a house. And I'm going to actually toggle back to the New King James. Excuse me. Through wisdom a house is built. We're trying to build a house. We're trying to build a ministry. We're trying to build our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God. It says in the book of Hebrews. Through wisdom a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. Again, I want to connect this with what we were reading in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. The seed that fell on good soil, those who heard the word of God and understood it. We need, and those, if you've been around this church about this ministry, my heart in this, in this church is not that I teach the gospel. 
not, not only do I teach the righteousness of God, but I want people to be established in it. I want people to not only know that the kingdom of God is here, but my heart in this message and everything we do is I want people to be established in who they are in Christ. That makes sense? Through wisdom. And we'll find out, and I'm teaching them the wisdom, that the gospel is the wisdom of God. Paul talks about that in Corinthians. And by understanding, it is established. It is important that we not hear the word of God, but we also understand it. And if people don't understand the word of God that they hear, the fowls of the air will come and take it away, it says. But they must understand it. So if and I don't want them to be built on me and my theology or Andrew or anyone else. I want them to be established in the Word of God for themselves. There's a time as a child to, for them to, to lean on their teachers and their parents for understanding and different things. But the purpose of teaching and raising kids so that they can be, they, they can be established in their own relationship with God. Because as parents and as teachers and as mentors, we can't be with them everywhere we go. We can't always be in their thoughts. We can't be everywhere they go, even just physically, but also mentally. But if we teach them, if we train a child in the way he should go, he won't depart from it. I want to teach people not only to, to receive Christ, I want to teach people to have a relationship with him so that, so that they understand it and they know how to search the scriptures for themselves. They can have a relationship so that they are dependent on God, not me. That making sense? But through wisdom in a house is built, and through and by understanding it is established. We'll spend some more time on stuff like this in the, in the, in the coming weeks. Let's go to Proverbs 4, verse 7. This will be the main passage we use, not just this verse, but the surrounding verses that I want to highlight right now, verse 7. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We're going to be talking about wisdom and we'll be talking about understanding. But right now, in the, with the message that I'm concluding here, uh, I'm talking about understanding. Paul, Solomon, who wrote this, Solomon, who was considered to be the wisest man who ever lived. And God complimented him because he, he sought wisdom and not riches and not fame. He sought wisdom, the principal thing. And if God contributed Solomon is being wise, and God is the one who gave Solomon wisdom. Saul, Saul, God gave Solomon wisdom he had. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll look at some of that in the, in the future days. But God gave him wisdom, and, and this wise man is teaching us that wisdom is the principal thing. And in, our, in our giving, we need to get understanding. How many of you know that we, the just shall live by faith? And we are going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and from grace to grace. We get wisdom and we get understanding not by listening to the flesh, but we get wisdom and understanding by hearing the Word of God. Um, we don't get wisdom and understanding by listening to our emotions. We don't get wisdom and understanding by listening to the world and the media. We get understanding by the Word of God. That makes sense. Okay, we'll, we'll get like that. We'll look at that more closely in the, in the weeks to come. <clears throat> I want to switch gears one more time, but I want to talk about real quickly and, clo and kind of closing 
three major kingdom principles that must dominate, dominate our understanding and our thoughts, and our, thought, our whole thought process. When I'm talking about the way we think, I'm also talking about our thought process, the whole process of the way we think. I'm talking about what we think about, but also talking about the process of how we, how we think. But I want to talk about three kingdom principles that must dominate our thoughts. They must dominate our understanding. But just before I, I go into those three things, I want to just make a couple powerful points. It's probably the most powerful points I'm going to make today. Is that how much I think Christ is not in you. His kingdom is not in you. His seed. When I talk about his seed in you, the kingdom of God in you, Christ in you, the king in you, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is not in you to improve your life. Christ is in you to become your life. That's huge. God, Christ is not in you for you to improve your life. Christ is in you to become your life. That is huge. That for some of us, that is a whole paradigm shift. You see how subtle? Some of us are thinking, we're, we're meaning to think the right thing, but we're off. Christ is not in you to become re religion so that you can improve your life. Christ is in you to become your life. And He, not you, but He in you is going to change your life. That makes sense? Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Christ didn't just change Paul's thinking. Christ became his life. Let me say it again, but in other words, Christ is not in you to make you better in and of yourself. Christ is in you to make for you what you have needed. In other words, Christ is not in you to, um, we must understand this. Christ is not in you so I love, so, so you love more. Christ is in you to become love. That make sense? Christ is not in you so you love more. Christ is in you to become that love. That he him, agape, agape noun. God is love. God, Christ, who is love, can love more. Let me paint another picture. Christ is not in you so you can become more patient. Christ is in you to become your patience. Christ is in you to become gentle. Christ is in you because He's gentle. He's love. He's patience. He's joy. He's not teaching you to 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 become but more like him, he's teaching you to be him. So, so he's teaching you so he can be you. That makes sense. Most religious mindsets is that Christ is helping me to be what I need to be versus Christ becoming what I am in need of. In other words, so many people are seeking Christ for healing when he is the healer. So many people are seeking God for provision when He is the provider. 
Some people are seeking God to give when he is the giver. He is the Savior. The kingdom of God is here. And not only have you received the kingdom of God who is in you, you have received the king. And the king has dominion over your life. The king has dominion over your body. The king has dominion over your finances. The king has dominion over how you think. I'm not trying to get to think more and of myself. I'm allowing Christ in me, the mind of Christ, to have dominance in my life. That making sense? This is different than most mainstream Christianity things. They're trying to do what Jesus would do. Rather than letting Jesus do in them what he does. That make sense? Here are the three things. Our dominant thought process must have these principles. First, the first thing is, we must, we must think on this, we must realize this. First, Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And he is in you. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And he is in you. I want to say it again. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And he is in you. He, Jesus, your king, the kingdom of God, is in your spirit, not your mind. Not your head. He's in your spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul being your mind, your intellect, your, your thoughts, your conscience, uh, your, your heart. He's in your spirit. Your spirit is born again. But I have to change my thinking. I must renew my mind and renew it daily. And I have to choose to be renewed. And once I... Here's my point. What's my point I'm to do? Once I stop thinking, if I ever get the attitude of a thought, I already know this. I already got this. You will stop growing. You ever meet someone, you try to teach them, and say, I already know that. I already got that. There's an attitude that rises up that I already got this. I already know that. I don't need to be taught that again. I don't know if you, you know, connect with that. But the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within you. He's, and we need to realign our thoughts that towards Jesus, the king who is in us. The point I just tried to make about uh, thinking I already got this, I'll bring this out some more with these other points. The second thing I want to bring out is, if you are going to grow in Christ, the kingdom of God must come in your mind. If you're going to grow with Christ, the kingdom of God must come into your mind. I've been saying this a lot recently, that we need to have a kingdom perspective. And we need to see life and the situations we're in from a kingdom mindset not our natural mindsets. We need to shift. Repent. Because the kingdom of God is here. See again, the kingdom of God is in your spirit. 
But it does not flow independent of your mind. The kingdom of God is in your spirit. But it doesn't flow independent of your mind. You must set your mind upon it. I want to, I I want to uh, toggle real quick to Hebrews 4.12. I got some thoughts last night from my uh, Bible study that we just started last night on sharpening a two-edged sword. We, only, we didn't get very far. We only got to the introduction. And we, we got, we started looking at this verse, this verse where the title comes from. And verse, Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God, and we've been talking about the, king, the word of the kingdom. We are born again by this word. And the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and the mild, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it is, I want to read that last part again. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is like a sword, and it will discern what you're thinking. It will discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God will do that. The word of God will separate the the marrow and the bone. The, 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 the word of God will separate the spirit from the soul. And a lot of that, I'm not going to do so much teaching on that right now. But in our study last night, we, we were looking at Andrew's commentary on this verse. And I just thought I'd read a little excerpt from that. Uh, this is very powerful, and it goes on what we're talking about this morning. Only the extreme sharpness of God's word can separate between soul and spirit. Our souls and our spirits comprise our hearts, and they function as one. Only under the intense scrutiny of the Word of God can we distinguish between them. The relationship between the soul and spirit is like the relationship between joints and marrow. The marrow of the bone is where blood the life-giving force is produced. But all the bones of the body are joined together by joints. Without joints, our bodies would not be able to function the way they do. Likewise, our born-again spirits are the life-giving part of us. But our spirits are connected to our bodies, by our souls. The life that is in our born-again spirits cannot reach out to, I'm sorry, let me say it again. The life that is in our born-again spirits cannot reach our bodies except through our souls. Therefore, the renewing of our minds is essential to release the life that is in our spirits. Hopefully you're connecting some dots here with our thoughts. Our thoughts are important. I want to say something I just said a minute ago again. The kingdom of God is in our spirit. The kingdom of God is in us, but it's in our spirit. But it does not flow independent of our minds and our thoughts. <coughs> our blood, the life-giving part of us, 
is originates from the marrow and the bone. But just because we have a life, it needs the joints for the body to function. We need to think about it so it can function. We must set our mind upon it for God. In other words, how many know this? We choose what we listen to. And we can choose what we see. I mean, know that we can choose to sit in front of the TV for five hours a day or more. We can choose to listen to media, Facebook. We can choose what we listen to. I understand in some circumstances because I mean, where we work or where we live, we're surrounded by other things and we can't always make the choice in that regard. But ultimately, we can choose what we listen to. We can choose what we see. I'm not just talking about looking at things inappropriate and different things and TV and media, although that's, that can fall under that category. But how many of you know we can choose to have a kingdom perspective? Or we can choose to have a natural perspective? We can choose what we listen to. Throughout this parable of the Torah, Jesus was ex exhorting the people, be careful what you hear and be careful what you see. Remember that song I've sang before? Be careful of the eyes what you see. Be careful of the ears what you hear. We need to be careful. We choose what we hear. We choose what we see. We choose to think on it. When what we choose to think on will become our dominant thought. If something you're going through, you keep mowing it over. You keep meditating on it. I mean, you know, sometimes when you're going through a situation, that becomes your dominant thought. Sherry and I have been going through something very uh, extreme over the last little while. And the temptation has been there that that has become our dominant thought at times. And I'm saying I'm not proud of that. We might not have caused the problem. We might not be the originator of the problem. It might not be fair what's going on. But we can also choose where our thoughts are. That makes sense? We can't always choose temptation coming our way, whatever that might be. Whether that's gossip, whether that's something immoral or unethical. But we can choose whether that, that, that thought becomes dominant in our mind. And how does it become dominant? We keep thinking on it. That's how it becomes a stronghold. The weapons of warfare are not carnal, but a mighty point out strongholds over the imagination, the thoughts of the mind. The strongholds are over the thoughts. And those thoughts that we mow over become a stronghold. And our, and our minds and our lives and whatnot. And we can choose whether that's going to be... In other words, that's why we can either choose to meditate on the Word of God and let that become dominated in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the Word of His kingdom. And letting that kingdom become dominated in our minds so it can activate. Or we can allow the things of this world, the natural things, death and, and different things and worry, become dominant in our minds and our hearts. What seed are we going to allow to grow, and what kingdom is going to rule in our lives? Whatever you meditate on, whatever you are, are thinking about, whatever you're mourning over, has become the kingdom in your life. It is ruling, it is controlling your thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you are thinking on, whatever you are meditating on, has become Lord of your life. Has become your kingdom. Has become, as people call it, your reality. And if your reality is not aligning up to the word of God, then guess what needs to change? Your reality. 
if your reality does not line up to the real word of God, then the word of God, my Bible says, let every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Does that make sense? I want God's word and God's opinion to dominate my thoughts, and I want his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want his thoughts to be dominated. See, to many of us, the seed is in us, but it has become inferior to the other things that we dwell on, to the other things that we think on. Many people have refused to surrender their minds to Christ. The seed is there, but they're not thinking on it. They're not meditating on it. They're thinking about religion. They're thinking about the, 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 the things of the world. So many people are so, their minds are, I understand that we need to be in politics and to a certain degree that we need to stand up for what's right, but some people, their minds are consumed with politics and not the Word of God. And that, the politics and different things have become an idol in their minds and in their hearts in many different ways. They will think, they will talk, they will smell, they will they'll do everything about politics or whatever the thing is, or sports, or, or whatever it is. And sometimes when we, and, and, and depending on which, what thought life is becoming the Lord of your life will determine also uh, what you will understand. See, um, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll be looking at this in a few weeks from now, but don't, the Bible says, um, trust the Lord with all your heart, and not, do not lean on your own understanding. We're talking about understanding. They heard the word of God and didn't understand it. But sometimes we don't hear, we don't understand the word of God because we are leaning on our own understanding. We're being wise in our own eyes, it says in Proverbs 3, 7. In other words, we're being wise according to our reality. We are only seeing things through our reality and not God's truth. That makes sense? Here's the third thing. And this is where I want to kind of conclude with this morning. I'm basically out of time. Because we must think in terms of being united to Christ. We must think in terms of being united to Christ. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 real quick as we kind of conclude this this morning. Mark 4, again, verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Well, there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret. Excuse me, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Whoever has with him, more will be given. But whoever does not have him, what he has will be taken away from him. And he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And should sleep by night and, by, and rise by day, and the sea should sprout and cut and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields cross by itself, first the blade and then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now there's a lot here. There's kind of uh, uh, two parables uh, the light under the basket, uh, on the lampstand, and also. Uh, Another version of, in a sense, the, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed being sown. <clears throat> um, 
I also want you to know that Mark chapter 4, the context of a reading, comes right after Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. So it's in the same context of the parable of the sower. It comes right in Mark's uh, book or letter, and this comes right after the parable of the sower. How do you know that a candle or light is to illuminate? Even in our, in our culture today, Sometimes I will, I will ask Sherry a question along these lines. When you think of a candle or light, what's the first word picture that comes to mind? And I use uh, let me just say, let me rephrase that. Sometimes when we, when we see when we, a word picture that many people use for how someone thinks or they have an idea is a light bulb. For example, someone says they have an idea or a thought. One of the symbols people will use is sometimes a light bulb. They got a light bulb, they have an idea. We're talking about what we think. We're talking about what we understand. And, and, it's talk, and, and in the parable of the sower, the, the good seed is those who heard the word of God and understood it. And right away, in Mark's translation of the parable of the sower, right afterward, he quotes what Jesus said that. Uh, that uh, uh, it talks about the light and the light stand, the, lamp, the candle and the light lamp stand. See, a light exposes darkness. It exposes the darkness. God wants to reveal the kingdom of God. God wants to reveal who He is. But we must open our mind to think of the things of God for the light in your spirit to permeate your mind and give you understanding. I want to say that again. I know that's long. We must open our mind. To think of the things of God for the light in your spirit to permeate your mind and give you understanding. See, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it's not by accident. It's not just because we're born again. Yes, the born and being born again, the seed is conceived in our hearts. But it's not by accident that that seed grows. We might not understand how uh, uh, in a pregnancy our seed goes from conception and germinates and gestates and becomes a harvest. But it's not that soil. It's not by accident. It must be cultivated. It must be watered. It must have sunshine. It can't be choked out by thorns. It's not by accident. It's purposeful. And the light must be on a lampstand. It must be, and we need the light of God's word. We need the light of God to expose and reveal so we can understand the word of God. We're not going to understand the word of God if we put it underneath some bushel and we hide it. We're not going to understand the word of God if we're not spending time with it. And we're allowing God to light and illuminate what is true, what is good, what is lovely. We're not going to have the mind of Christ if we don't spend time with it. And God exposes his mind. And he exposes what we shouldn't be thinking about. But if we purposefully will put the lamp on a lampstand and illuminate our, our world, our life, our reality, we will understand the word of God. We will understand him. We will understand who we are. This whole journey 
a note of the last few years of my life. I understand who God is better than I ever did before. I understand who I am better than I am before. I understand who other people are who I've been before. God, and what changed? The Word of God. My diet of the Word of God. I have put the Word of God on a lampstand instead of letting it sit on a shelf as it used to. I, instead of studying the Word of God just for a message, I have studied the Word of God for my life. And it has illuminated and it has grown. And I understand the Word of God more than I ever have before. I understand who I am more than I ever before. I understand how to deal with my situations more than I ever before. Hopefully I'm making sense of that. But I want you to notice here also in Mark 4.23, it says, Anyone as he does not hear what the Spirit says. We must choose to hear. We must choose to understand. We have to pursue wisdom. We have to pursue understanding. That's one thing we, we, we're going to learn out in the next few weeks. We must pursue wisdom. We must think. We must meditate. Much of us, most of us are in too big of a hurry. But then he says, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and to, to you who hear more will be given. We must take heed what you hear. See, those who hear the word of God, those who have a diet for the word of God, more will be given. But those who don't hear, those who are not prioritizing the time of the Lord, what they do have will be taken away. When you are learning something, whether it's the Bible or it's any other vocation or topic, you're, just, you're going to learn more. You just open up that valve to understand and for that seed to grow. Hopefully I'm making sense, because I know this is true in my life. Whatever thing I start studying, whatever I start, you know, right now I'm working on redoing our website with the church. I don't know how to do websites, but I'm studying different things, and it's opened up a valve. It's opened my understanding how websites work and how to do it. And I'm learning a lot, and I mean, you're going to see in a few weeks how successful I've been with that. I'm just using that as an illustration. Whatever we will study, whatever we will choose to understand, we can, that knowledge can, 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 can be beneficial so we can build a house. Am I making sense? Uh, in other words, let me just say this. If you spend five or six hours a day in front of the TV, and all that information, whether it's the news or whether it's a TV show or a movie or whatever it is, you're just taking in that information day in and day out. But you're not spending any time in the Word of God or a little time. I mean, one hour a week on Sundays or whatever that might be. It will take that one hour a week to, un to unravel all the other stuff you've been hearing all week long. You are taking that seat and... You Everything we listen to, everything we hear is a seed. And if that's the seed we're watering, that's the seed that will grow. We need to allow the Word of God to become dominate, to illuminate. And sometimes when the Word of God will not just illuminate what we need to know, it will also illuminate what we need to unlearn. And if we're going to guard our heart with all diligence, we need to let the Word of God become our number one diet. See, we need to take heed what we hear. What are you hearing? 
Are you hearing the word of God? Or are you hearing something else? And whatever you hear, we Luke Luke says the same same thing. Verse twenty four is exactly the same in Luke's version, but he changes one word out of the word instead instead of saying what you hear, taking what how you hear, how are you hearing, what's your attitude when you listen to the word of God? What are you hearing, and how are you hearing it? It's very important. And how you use it. We're not, but we're not just hearing the word of God so we fulfill some religious duty. We're hearing the word of God so we can use it. We need to use the word of God. This goes true with any truth, anything. You know, I there's some trades I've had, there's some things I've had. I, I was very good at it because I used it all the time. But once I stopped using it, I don't know how to do it anymore. Does that make sense? I've had so many jobs, retail jobs, different jobs I've had. I was very good, but I, now I don't do it. I don't know how to do it anymore. I feel like even when I get on a bike, I have to relearn how to pedal. I don't ride a bike anymore. I don't know how to do it anymore. I mean, I get the concept, and I, I can still ride a bike. I don't have to go back to training wheels. But at that same point in time, I just don't use it. Same thing with a muscle. I don't use it. I don't do it anymore. And it becomes dormant. There's a lot of things I learned in, in high school and in, co in college. I don't use it. You would have to teach me all over again algebra. You would have to teach me all over again geometry. I don't use it. You don't have to teach me again uh, basic mathematics, how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, and some fractions and percentages, because I use those. But the things that I don't use, I've lost it. I had it. But I lost it. But the things I do use, I even gain more wisdom because I keep using it. I find new ways and better ways to use it. It's the same spiritually. It's not a condemnation here. We're not talking about losing our salvation. We're just saying, you don't, you'll lose it. You won't use it. If the Word of God doesn't become value to you, then it will be seen to hear everything you hear today, you'll lose tomorrow. Or soon, because it just won't become dominant. It never took root. It never grew. It just grew. By, it just was thrown by the wayside. That makes sense. Um, there's a lot here I want to share on, but I'm not. I, I'm, 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 I'm already over time. Um, there was just a point I, was, I made earlier. I want to reiterate real, real quick here. Give me my notes here. I'm basically out of time. See, the more we know something, the more we see it. The hardest people to reach are those who think they already know it. We've had people come. We've had people come to this church. Dave, when are you going to talk about the big stuff? I already know all that. I know the gospel. I know that God loves me. When are you going to talk about other stuff? Just by the fact that they said that tells me they don't know it. Because if they knew it, they wouldn't even make that statement. But how many of you God honors those who humbly say they hunger and they seek and they search for righteousness? We just read Jeremiah 29. You will call upon me, you will pray to me, you will seek, find me when you seek me with all your heart. In closing, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. It says, Now concerning things offered to idol, we know that we have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. 
as he ought to know. I'm, I'm grateful for the knowledge I have and the wisdom I have and understanding I have of the Word of God. But I never want to get to the place where I turn off because I think I already got it. The moment you stop learning, you stop growing. The moment you turn it off, and you can turn it off, you can turn off that filter and say, you know what, I'm not going to learn anymore because I already know this. You stop growing. But I want to finish this last thought when we're talking about we need the, this, this principle of we are united with Christ. This is where I'm going with a lot of this stuff. I have really tied that in. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within us. The king is here. The king. There's no separation. I'm just going to rattle off some verses. First Corinthians 6 and 17 says that we are one spirit with him. 2 Corinthians 2, 16 says he, he lives in us. Ephesians 5, 30 says we are one flesh with him. Matthew 25 talks about when we do it to the least of these, we do it to him. Galatians 2, 20, I've already quoted, says that Christ is in us. Philippians 1, 21 says that to, to, to live is Christ. We are one with him. He, see, God doesn't, I want to finish with this thought. God only sees two people, Adam or Christ. We're either born naturally from Adam's seed, or we're born from Christ's the incorruptible seed. God only sees two natures, flesh or spirit, natural or supernatural. He either sees us in Christ, which is, I mean Adam, which is the flesh, or he sees us in Christ, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When God sees us, he sees Christ. Who do we see? How are we functioning? Are our thoughts or his thoughts? Are we seeing ourselves as one with him? Some of us theologically, we understand that we are one with Christ theologically, but we function in our lives naturally. We, we separate ourselves when we, from the simple things of life, from what we're going to do today, to the things that we do. We function our lives from a natural perspective, not a spiritual one. I, Jesus did nothing without spending time with the Father. He did nothing that he didn't see the Father doing. From where he was going to go to what he was going to do and how he did it. If we want the kingdom of God to be activated in our lives, we must have a kingdom perspective. We must hear the word of God. We must understand the word of God to the point that we have we the word of God, the life of God, the person of God, the relationship with God to not only be in our lives so we can live better, but to become our lives because we are one with him. Everything I do, Sherry's doing too. Everything she does, I'm doing it too because we're one flesh. She's herself. I'm not Christ, and Christ is not me, but we are one flesh with Christ. I'm not my wife, and she's not me. We're in two individuals, but we're one. We need to have a kingdom perspective that Christ is in us. We're not Christ, but Christ is in us. And in our minds, we must be crucified with Christ. 
We have already received Christ and his kingdom. His kingdom is here. And we need to change our perspective. And we need to have a relationship with the word of God, with Jesus. We need to have a relationship with him. And we need to function. So he, he not us, can do it. How many know I will fail? How many know you will fail? Even with the greatest intent, but Christ in me will not fail. His love never he doesn't fail. And if I'm going to let the kingdom of God work, I'm going to let God, the king, operate in my life. I'm going to seek him for wisdom and understanding so he can build this house and he can establish it. But we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks.